You're listening to Wiretap with Jonathan Goldstein on CBC Radio 1 and Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Today's episode, David and Goliath. of Gazar, challenging us to send a champion against him and so decide the battle. And is there no one in the ranks of Israel who dares to meet this man? Sire, I will meet Goliath. David, my armor bearer. I will meet him, sire. Sire, Samuel calls this boy the Lord's anointed. <clears throat> sire, if I may... Samuel calls everyone the Lord's anointed. I, I once shared a sandwich with him, and the guy started calling me the Lord's anointed. Silent, Jonathan. It, it just seems a little... No, David. You may meet Goliath. Am, am I the only one here? That, I mean, doesn't anyone agree with me? It, it seems a little half-cocked. That, that's... Silent, Jonathan. I'm not saying another word about it. You know you, you know what you're doing, so obviously um, I'm just going to... Hi. Um, thanks for coming out. Actually, uh, one of the things that I was thinking of was making uh, my entrance from those curtains up there on the ledge, all Phantom of the Opera style. But I kept on um, slipping off during the rehearsals and hurting my coccyx on the speaker. This is how sick I am, actually. This is sad. Is uh, On my way um, up to the podium, I was thinking... Coxus or sacroliliac, which is a funnier word. You see, sacroliliac might have been the one to go with. Okay, we roll tape. Hello. Hey, mom. What's the matter? No, no, nothing's the matter. It's I'm just I'm calling to say hi. Oh, okay. Hey, um, I, I have a question for you. Uh-huh. Well, I was actually... I wanted to ask both you and Dad. Hold on. Buzz! Pick up the phone! Johnny, hurry up! Hello? Dad? Yeah. Hey, I just... I had a question for you and Mom. Yeah. Um, do, do, do you remember when we used to go to eat at the Brown Derby? Yeah. Sure. Do you remember that restaurant? Sure. sure. Yeah. Jewish, yeah, kosher style. Yeah, Jewish clientele. Yeah. Right. And do you remember in the back... Yes. Of the restaurant, there was a huge mural. Oh, I remember. Yes, I remember. Uh, Jerusalem. No. I don't remember what. With a camel? No. No, okay, see if this rings a bell. Do you remember there was a, a mural of David? And Goliath! Yeah, do you remember that? Yeah, no, yeah. but when you say it, maybe. Because uh, I have very vivid memories of sitting there in the back. We'd finish the meal. Right. You know, there'd be the table would be littered with empty plates of uh, matzo ball soup and brisket and and kasha and kashka kishka and all kinds of things. Yeah. And I would always uh, ask you to tell me the story of David and Goliath as we were sitting below the mural every every week. Every week that we were there, I would always have you retell the story. Do you yeah. do you remember that? Uh. 
Yeah, vaguely, Johnny. No, no, tell the truth. I don't really remember. How could he remember, Johnny? I don't really remember. remember Okay, let me refresh your memory. It wasn't a great piece of artwork. It was very flat. Maybe it was done by one of the owner's kids or something. And it was an action shot. It was just in the moment when David had released the stone from his sling. Yeah. And it was just making contact with Goliath's forehead. I mean, I could picture it, and I could see probably that scene has been shown in many books and, and things like that. But you don't remember it at the Brown Derby? Not at the Brown Derby. It's like Derby. such a huge one part. One that stands out is the camel and that building. There was, I don't know what you're talking There's about. No the camel. There Stop with the camel. The side. It was on a side wall. It's enough with the camel. I remember specifically this one as being sort of a key uh, memory from, from my childhood. See, that's something that you could remember that, huh? Just remembering you telling me the the story of David and Goliath sort of inspired me to to write my own version of the tale. Wow. Oh, oh, wow, wow. All right. Well. But if you ask what I ate for supper there, that I could help you with. What'd you have for supper there? I used to have fried chicken. I used to like the boiled, uh, uh, the boiled chicken in the soup. Or the flanken. And the flanken. Uh-huh. That was Sunday, but on Friday nights you used to eat chicken in the pot. Uh-huh. They bring out a chicken, and the chicken is swimming in a pot. Um, so in, inspired by that wonderful childhood memory, which um, actually after that conversation, frankly, I began to think that I, I might have actually dreamt it. <laughs> Um, I decided to write my own version of David and Goliath, which I have here to to read to you. And um, there are no camels in it. (laughs) Goliath was a Philistine giant who considered himself a laugh riot. And a part of his shtick was coming up with inventive ways to kill Jews. For instance, one time he tied the beards of five Hebrews together, dropped them in a sack, climbed a tree, and threw them from the highest branch. He called it the fatal horror. (laughs) Another time, he nailed banana peels to the soles of a half dozen Jews' feet and paid a musician to play rapid harp music as he chased them about with a tent peg. (laughs) As well as being creative at murder, Goliath also had a very big and hurtful mouth. He used it to make the Jews look bad. When he stood on the hilltop near the Hebrew camp and called out to them mockingly, calling them Jew burgers, Jew lips, Jewy Jew balls, and other anti-Semitic foods, the Jews pretended not to care, but they did care. Still, they figured it was better to endure insults than broken bones. Goliath stood outside the camp for hours, joking around and acting like the life of the party. When he was done performing, he would issue his challenge. It was always the same. Send over your best warrior so I can fight him one-on-one. In this way, Goliath wanted to make his battles into a kind of performance, a chance to pause and deliver zingers while issuing a Jew his licks. By this method, said Goliath, we might observe how a Jew fights as though he is gingerly dabbing underdone yolk off his chin or trepidatiously dipping a toe into cold bathtub water, while a Philistine fights like he is hungrily eating watermelon after having burned down a kosher butcher shop. Whenever Goliath made his threats, everyone pretended they couldn't hear him. They made like they were too caught up, sharpening something, or trying to scrub an impossible stain off their battle kilt. It helped them get through the day. There was on this particular occasion a young Hebrew in attendance named David. David was a shepherd who had shown up to bring his older brother's lunch. He watched the kibitzing giant whoop it up and hated the demoralizing effect it was having on the Hebrew army. But most of all, He hated Goliath's comedic material. (laughs) 
He found the whole Jews fight like this, Philistines fight like that thing to be one of the lowest forms of comedy, only outdone by inventing cute names for pitching Jews from trees. <laughs> David was offended by Goliath's threats and violence, but he was even more offended by Goliath's threats and violence to comedy. Maybe David wasn't as big and tough as Goliath, but he knew for certain that he was funnier. <laughs> he had to be. Out of his seven brothers, he was not the wisest, nor was he the handsomest, the strongest, kindest, smartest, or even the cleanest. Being funny was what you got when all the really good qualities were already taken. <laughs> what else was there left him? David was the guy who placed inflated camel bladders on chairs for family members to sit on. <laughs> The guy who once set a mulberry bush on fire and hid behind it pretending he was the voice of God. <laughs> Repent, he intoned to those who passed. Also, hop around on one foot and make duck sounds. While Goliath got his laughs by putting people down and murdering them in complicated, flashy ways, David had a different take on what comedy could be. He believed you could achieve a humorous effect by killing someone simply, too. The time was right, he believed, for a honed-down, deadpan kind of murder-slash-comedy. <laughs> he believed a simple stone-to-the-head killing could be a comedic statement as well as a political one, a challenge to the decadent pageantry of Philistine giant murder. <laughs> and so David decided that with a mere stone, he would slay Goliath, clean and economical, and funny, laugh-out-loud funny. <laughs> He was sure that if it was done just right, if his timing was just so, killing Goliath would be a highly original goof. A little schmegeggy, a big zhlub. The little one kills the big one. Bonk, death. That's comedy. <laughs> the manner in which I kill Goliath will cause the whole world to laugh, thought David. Even God himself will laugh. David wanted to please the Lord, and he believed a hearty chuckle would do him good. Once David hatched the idea, he laid in bed at night and planned it all out. Maybe if I strike him right in mid-insult, just after the words, and furthermore, or pop them just as he's gulping from his goblet so the stone can bounce off his head and plop into his wine. If the Lord in his infinite kindness might grant Goliath's dropping dead to be preceded by a plopping sound, I will have achieved a comedy of the highest order. <laughs> David wondered what it was going to be like to be the greatest hero who ever lived. He wondered if it would give him sad eyes. He had once seen a hero who had them. With sad eyes, women would see him and think, what sad eyes? And then they would know that even though he keeps up a brave and comical front, killing giants was not all fun, that it left a person with a certain unasked for gravitas, that it forced you to know things that no one else could ever know, and these things left you sadder but also sexier. <laughs> when he is a funny, sad, sexy, great hero, they will bring him women, sometimes two at a time. He will invite them into his chambers and sit on the edge of his bed while sipping wine. They will listen cross-legged on the floor as he tells funny tales with reserved sadness and sad tales with impossible mirth. David finally worked up the nerve to tell his brothers how he wanted to do battle with the giant. He did not tell them about the other stuff, about the women and the eyes. But still, they were unsupportive. David, they said, if you do this idiotic thing, we will no longer be your brothers. You can kiss all that goodbye. But David was fixated. He could only think of the laughter that awaited him. 
For 40 days, Goliath stood on the hilltop and issued challenges. Send out your best man to fight me. If he wins, the Philistines shall be your slaves. We shall press your olives, pick your jewberries, and listen attentively to your boring stories about God. <laughs> but this will not happen. What will happen is this. I will kill your man and munch his toes like pecans. And with that little snack, I will be making a broader gesture, eating the toes of all Jews everywhere. And by toes, I mean spirit, but also toes. Can you see what I'm getting at? <laughs> They could see what he was getting at, and really imagine it, too. Goliath delicately twisting their toes off one at a time with index finger and thumb, popping them into his mouth, saving the pinky toes for last. On this particular day, David had again shown up with food for his brothers. It was an excuse to get in on the action. How can he talk that way about the army of the Hebrew God? David asked his brothers. You're being loud, they said. He might hear you. David kept stirring it up, talking about how the Jews were number one and shouldn't be taking that kind of flack. Eventually, David's mouthing off got back to King Saul, who sent for him. When David stood before the king, the king gave him his trademark sideways smirk. The smirk meant many often contradictory things. In this case, it meant the kids got style. And so King Saul offered David his shield and armor to use in battle with the giant. I don't need that stuff, said David. I have God on my side. In truth, David was afraid the armor might make him look more imposing than he needed to be and thus ruin the comedic staging of the whole little guy, big guy routine. <laughs> David produced his sling. It was just a leather strap. This is all I need, said David. This and God. Tell you what, King Saul said, having a good time. You kill this gigantic showboating pain in the ass and I'll take good care of you. Having killed Goliath so many times in his mind, it already felt like a done deal. David had been living in the future, but now he was setting out into the past to preserve the present and ensure the chuckle-filled future with all the rewards a king could bestow. David did this sort of half-strut out the door, swinging the sling around like the chain on a pocket watch. Some kid thought the king. Back on the hill, David approached Goliath. How stupid, he thought, to be so big. It was asinine, imbecilic. As the giant cavorted about, David pulled out a satchel and poured its contents onto the ground. It was vomit. As the necessary technology to produce fake vomit had not yet been invented, <laughs> bringing along a bag of the real stuff was the best David could do. He thought if he could just trick Goliath into looking at it and squealing in girlish horror, it would be a good humorous start to the battle. David kept looking down at it, even pointing anything to make the giant notice, but it was no use. Goliath was already on a tear, playing to the audience. This is who you send to do battle with me, asked Goliath. After I have murdered him, shall I change his diapers? You Jews slay me. It's like I was telling the Jewish cheesemonger I was pleasuring yesterday evening. The army of King Saul is a sickly honey cake footed army whom you can always hear coming due to the mealy nose sniffling of their sinusitis. But this little fellow is too much. He looks like something that has dribbled into a Philistine's chamber pot. <laughs> Goliath laughed while slapping a shield carrier on the back, causing the old fellow's shoulder to become dislodged. Looking at it all from up close, David saw that the laughter Goliath caused was not real laughter at all. Goliath was a bully who produced nervous laughter, terrified laughter. He did not make people's eyes laugh. That was something David would do. 
David wanted to cause laughter that made the soul brighten. I will feed your body to the birds and dogs, needled Goliath, interrupting David's thoughts. I will feed your body to the birds and dogs, bantered David. He then looked over at the Hebrew army to see if they were laughing at his rejoinder, but they just stared at their feet. I will feed your body to the birds and dogs, Goliath asserted, this time underlining the word your with such force that David could smell his deadly breath from across the battle plain. You win, quipped David, but you still might want to chew on a mint leaf. I shall chew on your still-beating heart, parried Goliath. Do you kiss your brothers with that mouth? asked David. Enough playing the dozens, growled the giant. Now we fight. David carefully placed a stone into the sling and swung it around. The two or three times he had practiced with the sling, he had seen that whenever he twirled it, he could not help swirling his hips in a highly provocative manner. (laughs) And so he tried to keep his belly dancing under control. He did not want to be handing Goliath material on a silver platter. Finally releasing, the plum-sized rock sailed through the air and hit the giant square in the center of his forehead. Goliath fell to the ground. A few soldiers looked up from their feet, but they did not laugh. They seemed glad, glad and nervous, but they didn't actually laugh. No one did. What's going on, thought David. Soon the laughs will start. But there were no laughs, not a snicker, a stifled snort, or even a man that's funny. Nothing. And right away, David knew that he had erred. His timing had somehow been off, not exquisite enough. Perhaps he had been overzealous in his delivery of the stone. Perhaps slings and stones just weren't funny. Maybe he should have tricked the giant into walking off a cliff or running at top speed into a temple wall. Why would he have thought that a little pisher killing a giant with a sling would be a powerful joke to make God laugh? How could he have gotten such an ignorant idea? If he had only just slapped Goliath over the head with a scourge handle. (laughs) When the Hebrew army saw that Goliath was really dead, they let out a cheer. Little David has destroyed the giant, they cried. They knew David's feat was important, possibly even a miracle, but they did not laugh. David was nauseous. Go on and cut Goliath's head off, his brothers shouted, for that was the custom back then when one slaughtered a giant. But David's heart wasn't in it. There will be no more jest-making, he thought, no more wine-bibbery or hay-making. He just wanted to go home. I will never trust another thing that comes from my head or heart, he thought. From now on, I only listen to God. And with this vow, he set himself to the sloppy job of beheading the giant with half-hearted chops. Once the head was severed, David hefted it up in his arms and with great awkwardness cradled it to his chest. It was almost as large as his entire upper torso. He positioned the face so that the eyes, still wide open, appeared to be looking up at him. It was in that moment, as he stared into Goliath's eyes, that David was seized with a divine thought. A divine comedic thought. (laughs) Placing his fingers on the dead giant's lips, he moved them up and down. Hello, David said, lowering his voice several octaves. I am Goliath's head. Has anyone seen my hands? For I wish to scratch my ass. For that matter, has anyone seen my ass? A joker must joke, David surmised. He looked up into the crowd, and out of the stunned silence, he heard a sound. It might have been a cough, or it might have been a giggle. He decided it was a giggle 
a genuine and joyous giggle from deep in the heart. David looked back down at Goliath's head and went on with the show. (laughs) Thank you. You know, you you guys listen to the to the to the radio program every week, right? Uh huh. Of course. Yeah, and so I mean, so do you do you think I'm do you, do you think I'm funny? Yes. <laughs> funny with Howard and funny with Josh, and funny with Greg. Very funny. But 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 me specifically. I mean, do you, do you think that I'm funny? Yeah. What's one of the last things that you found that I did that uh, was funny? Uh, the best thing for me was when Howard was in the, uh, uh, Under the he water filled the... up a bin with water and uh-huh. he made a, uh, what do you call it? A, sen- a, um, the sensory deprivation sensory tank. Sensory deprivation. Uh, yeah. And I found that very funny. Yeah. Very, very Now, Howard is very funny. Yeah. But I mean, but like... you're funny too, sweetheart. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. What's, uh, what's one of my stories that you've, that you've found funny? Story. I'm trying to think of a. Anyone. Uh, I'm trying to think of a. Because so, I'm, I'm always thinking of your interacting, you know? Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking of your interaction. Yeah. Sometimes. But I'm, I'm trying to think of a story. I, offhand, I can't think of a story that you Because, you know, I mean, the show's been on, you know, it's been uh, four seasons now. Yeah, but so, I mean, I must... I'm thinking of, you know, those, uh, the, the, the interactions with uh, all the other people that, yeah. that you have on. Dad, do you, do, you, do you think of yourself as a funny guy? I have my moments when I'm on a roll. Yeah. You I could know. be on a roll. Yeah, he has antics that make me hysterical. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's one of the last things that you guys uh, laughed, uh, laughed at oh, about each other? Today? Yeah, what did we laugh at? I, I was getting into the bath. Mm-hmm. Getting ready to go in the bath, okay? So I'm getting ready to relax in the bath, the phone rings. Could you go down and get some potatoes and put them in the oven and clean them up? I said, I'm just getting into the bath. Well, I got, I was angry, and she's laughing. I'm laughing because I'm in she's the laughing. office and everybody hears you. She's they laughing. hear he was screaming so loud. I hear. wasn't screaming that loud. You exaggerate. You know, you have a habit. You I, please, you can't make a potato. It's not the idea, Johnny. Well, I didn't want to get you I'm supposed to know he's in the bathroom. Oh, oh. Would anybody feel like going downstairs to a cold Okay, but it's enough. Thank you.
Jonathan Goldstein reading the story of David and Goliath from his forthcoming book, Ladies and Gentlemen, The Bible. You can find a schedule of this month's book tour as well as a new wiretap video at cbc.ca slash wiretap. Today's show was recorded in Vancouver Studio One with a live performance by the Awkward Stage. Special thanks to Todd Alvidge and recording engineer Don Harder. Wiretap is produced by Jonathan Goldstein with Mira Bertwintonic and Carolyn Warren. Tune into Wiretap Sunday at 1 for Pacific Time and Wednesday evening at 11.30. You can also hear Wiretap across North America on Sirius Satellite Radio 137.